you see the uh, the big word on the screen uh, series entitled just simply change going through a series looking at truth about real spiritual change and what it means to follow Jesus things that happen and are true because of real spiritual change and we're right in the middle of this series we started out looking first at that C in terms of cost recognizing that real spiritual change produces cost in our lives and we looked at three encounters that Jesus had with people who um, were asked or asking about following him and Jesus' response had to do with cost he talked about the cost of comfort of convenience of making hard choices of commitment and so costs are real and Jesus spoke about that he just wanted to be honest about what it means to follow him second week we looked at the reality of help that God is an almighty God who makes incredible promises to us we looked at the truth of Malachi 3 verses 8 to 12 and that was centered in financial things but it's much bigger picture than that when he says in verse 10 test me in this says the Lord Almighty Almighty for a reason and see if I'll not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not have room enough for it think about what that means in your life in terms of following Jesus and the challenges that it brings we always need help and we know that indeed to do anything good or well to have real spiritual change in our hearts and our lives in terms of a kingdom witness as well there has to be God's presence we need his help He's the one who makes it happen. And he promises to do that in a profound, in in, in an incredible way beyond the scope of our imagination. Last week, we looked at anxiety. That that God recognizes it's a real part of following him. And when he calls us to spiritual change and transformation, it's going to produce some of that. And who knows, maybe that surfaces an anxiety or a fear or a worry or a doubt having to do with capability. Am I able to do this thing that God is calling me to do? Can I be this person that God is calling me to be? We don't see it in ourselves, even though God does. So the following piece in terms of spiritual behavior, maybe it has to do with serving, doing something different for him, new discoveries and he makes an incredible promise as we deal with that anxiety in philippians 4 verses 4 to 7 centerpiece verse 6 about bringing everything before him prayer and petition with thanksgiving and what he'll give us peace peace that transcends all understanding and that he'll guard our hearts and minds in christ jesus presence presence Prayer, the power of prayer, being close to God and what that does. I keep thinking about that, thought about that uh, into the preparation of this week. And when you're filled with God's presence, there's no room for fear, for anxiety, for worries. And today we're going to continue and look at a a truth about real spiritual change and that it brings, as you can see on the screen, new opportunities. 
You know, often we look at when we're thinking about change and, and making a, a, a transition in our hearts and in our lives, spiritually we tend to look back, right? We tend to think about, or the present tense, and we think about what that might mean, and yet sometimes we fail. I think it's one of the most overlooked things about real change and real spiritual transformation, and that is, is what's ahead? What are the new opportunities? So I want to invite you to join together with me and read um, truth from Matthew 9. We're going to look at verses 14 and 17. But before we do, I want to ask you this question. I want you to just think about this for just a minute. And I know that we're all at different places in our life as we gather, right? But, but here's, here's the question that I have for you that I want you to start to think about and, and keep in your head as we read this passage and then as as we just open it up and look at it. And that is this. Think about the change that God has wrought in you, starting with the giving of his grace, the, the, the moment that you, you gave your life over to Jesus Christ and you surrendered control. That's what it's about. And then you start walking with him. So here's the question. What have been the new opportunities? What have been the changes that are positive because of that? Have you, you know, had the opportunity to get victory over something that gripped you? Have you had the opportunity maybe to serve in a way that you never thought you could? To meet new and different people perhaps that you never would have had you not been following Jesus? See, so, so think about that for just a second or longer. Because indeed, We'll come back to this. Real spiritual change brings new opportunities. Here, the living, the powerful, the life-changing Word of God. Matthew 9, verses 14 to 17. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. And neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. This is the Word of God. It might have been written on your hearts and lived in your life. So the, 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 the big part of the truth in terms of what Jesus is saying is found in verses 16 and 17. And, and trust me, we're going to get there. But first, I think it's really important to, to look at the, the first two verses to kind of get us there and to understand what it is that Jesus is saying and why it is that he shares what he shares. So, so starting with verse 14, just says, Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but that your disciples do not? So, 
Why, when you think about what Jesus says later, why would he even say that? Well, simply because they ask a question. And why did they ask the question? They asked the question because Jesus is doing something different, something new. He wasn't doing what it is that they did. And so they're, they're asking themselves, what, what's happening? What is this all about? Why would it be that they don't do that? You know, we, we fast, and it seems to be a good practice, but Jesus isn't. So what's the deal? What's going on? What's this all about? They're just asking a question, right? And, and I think there's something really important in what you read, though. And, and so you can't really miss this because here's the truth, that if, if what happens in verse 14 doesn't happen, then they don't hear the truth that Jesus says. And what is it that we read? Then they came and they asked, right? I think that's really, really important because you need to to ask yourself, so put yourself in their shoes or in situations that you've experienced when there was change or something new or something different, how did you respond? What happened? They could have responded in a million different ways, right? Absolutely. And just thinking of a few, they could have said, well, here we are, we're doing this, we know it's good and right, but Jesus isn't. So they could have just said, well, forget him, or flatly refused to have anything to do with this new thing. Or they could have just... um, you know, they could have discredited them. They could have did a number of different things. They could have engaged in all kinds of, of ungodly behavior. They could have did a lot of different things, but they didn't. Why is that? Because I think they genuinely wanted to know the answer to the question. They were sincere. They wanted to find out what the answer was. And there's only really one way to do that. So they went and they asked not rocket science, but they would never have gotten the answer. They would never have gotten the truth, see? And so that's really powerful, and that leads to a discussion, and that leads to the revealing of why Jesus was doing something different and something new. And then he gives an answer in verse 15. This is really important as well. What does he say? They ask a question about fasting. How does Jesus answer that question? Do you see it? It's pretty amazing. Is it confusing to you? I think at first glance, it probably should be. They ask a question about fasting, and what is his answer? His answer is rooted in a wedding celebration. He speaks about a bridegroom and about guests. What in the world does that have to do with fasting? Have you ever read this passage and wondered that? So there's, there's a lot. They have something in common. And it might be helpful to know a little bit about what they knew about fasting to be able to connect the dots, and this is it. Fasting for them was a religious discipline, a spiritual discipline that was tied specifically to events. They fasted in a time of mourning, and they fasted in a time of repentance. So it was driven by an occasion event, and it had time factors attached to it. There was a right time to fast. What about wedding celebrations? Do those every day? 
<laughs> well, they happen every day. But they're tied to an event too, right? A wedding. That's when we talk about bridegrooms, and that's when we talk about guests going to see the bridegroom. It has to do with a wedding. That's what Jesus is speaking about. So he's connecting the dots to timing, to timing. And, and Jesus is, is drawing on truth that he learned as a child. Anybody remember Ecclesiastes 3, what that passage is about? Yeah, it, it, it's, it starts out a time for everything. As I start to share it, you'll, you'll come to you. There, there's a time to what? A time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to plant. There's a time to uproot. There's a time to, to, to weep, and there's a time to laugh, and on and on. And that's really what Jesus is centering in. There's a time to fast, to be sure, and he doesn't deny that it's an important part of things. He says when, when the bridegroom is gone, they'll fast too. But he's saying now's not the time. And that's why he gives the example of the bridegroom and the guest. And so think about that for a moment. It, it, clearly, they, they caught it, and hopefully you do too, as he shares that in this passage, and he speaks the truth that he does in verse 15, that you understand he's talking about the bridegroom being him and the guest being his disciples. Right? And so if that's true, and he's speaking about timing, what's real for them? It's time to celebrate because Jesus is with them. It's time to learn and be in the presence of Jesus. It's time to follow Jesus. It's time to grow in Jesus. Yes, there's a time for, for sadness and, and repentance and mourning and ashcloth and all of the things that went with fasting, but now's not the time. He, he doesn't knock fasting. He doesn't say anything bad about it. He just says, look, here's the reality. This is where they're at. This is where I'm at. And this is what needs to happen. And you know, if you, you follow the Gospels and you understand things about Jesus and what he taught his disciples, it would just, and I think about that, we, we think our lives are a blur. It, it was just one thing after the other. Incredible things that they experience from day to day. I often think about that. What it would be like to walk with Jesus and be one of his first disciples. Mind-blowing. And what was he always saying? He said, I'm about my father's will. These are the things that I, I need to do. Kingdom things. This is why I, God sent me to earth. This is why, why I'm who I am as the Christ, as the Savior, as the Messiah. My purpose is to do my heavenly father's will. He said that repeatedly. And when he says, come and follow me, he says, I'm going to show you what it's like. I want you to see what it's like to be in the presence of my heavenly Father and to do the things that he's calling you to do. I want you to learn. I want you to grow. I want you to understand this is what it's about. And that's what he's telling them. Now is the time for that. It's a timing thing. That's what he's referring to when he speaks in verse 15. Okay, so now he gets to, to truth. Timing, and now he gets to truth about real spiritual change and what it means then in the sense of timing. 
No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or the patch will tear away and make it worse. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. If they do, they'll burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. Nope. They pour new wine into new wineskins. Now, I'm not a tailor or a seamstress, but I did ask about that. I asked people who do that, and they said, yeah, it's true. You try to sew a new patch on an old shirt, it's not going to be good. Jesus knows what he's talking about. Now, I haven't um, tried to, to produce some wine or anything either, but I did research it and found out that that's true. And why is that true in terms of what Jesus is saying? It's because you take a wineskin, and they would always use new wineskins when they did this, when they put the wine in the, in the wineskins. Why? Because those new wineskins, so you think leather and stuff, new leather, it stretches. And it was needed. Why? Because wine ferments. And if you didn't, it wouldn't work. It would burst. So that's why when you pour it into an old wineskin that's already been stretched, you fill it up with wine, when that wine goes to ferment and stretch it, rips them open and everything's lost. So back to the question. Why are you doing this? Jesus just answered it. He said, I'm doing it for the new wine, and so the new wine won't be lost to preserve things because new things are needed. New opportunities are present. Change. Now, we understand that. We get it. We talked about it a little bit of it earlier. And I think about it agriculturally. Do we drive around the area? We live in an agricultural area, communities. Do we see single-handed plows with a horse in front of them? No. Do we see tractors probably from the 40s or the 50s? Maybe every now and then, but mostly not. And I actually, you know, I asked somebody, if you farm that way, how would that go? Not too well. Think about other things in life. How many of you, again, pulled up? I don't see. Let me look out there. We knew there was a blue Ford out there, but I don't see any horse and buggies. I don't see any cars that look like they're any older, maybe, than, you know, a 2000. They all look fairly new, so you think about that change and newness and new opportunities and driving. Think about the first car that you bought perhaps with fondness, but you're not driving it now, I'm gathering. Think about one of these things. Some of you have one in your pocket. Nobody came here with a rotary phone. And I, I, I got hooked on Seinfeld for a little while, and I remember there's an episode where he's got this huge handheld. It's like this big, no kidding. And I don't see any of those sticking out of people's pockets. And I always marvel at these things now. They're not just phones. They're so much more, right? Too much, I think. Change. 
what would it be like to go back to those things and try to make that happen and be functional in the world that we live in today? It wouldn't work. I even was thinking about um, my cell phone. I was having problems with it, and it's a dinosaur. And the technicians are saying, well, it's probably because of the new operating systems and everything. They won't work anymore. They phase them out. It's another way to make you buy a new phone, but I'm going to have to bite the bullet pretty soon. But my cell phone simply won't work pretty soon. New opportunities. See, I think, we, I think we understand that. And it's really important to think about in terms of following Jesus and what that means when real change comes into our hearts and into our lives. And so I want you to go back to what I asked you at the start. What have you experienced that's been new? And I want you to think about your life, and I want you to think about the opportunities that are there, perhaps about something that you know needs to happen in your life right now or something that you're hoping for in terms of change, and I'm thinking spiritually. For a lot of people, sometimes it's centered in, and sometimes like with devotions, or I just want to get closer to God. I want to spend more time in prayer. I want to read the, the Bible more. Maybe that's it. Maybe for you, it's an opportunity to discover something new about yourself and maybe serve or get connected or engaged somewhere. It could be any number of different things. And I want you to think about that because those are good things. Those are great things. And that's exactly what it is that Jesus is speaking about. And you think about that and then, and then understand the challenge that he brings. He brings a challenge that if we're open to the truths of real spiritual change that God wants to bring into our life, there will be new opportunities that it will bring as well. But we have to be open to them, right? So when God issues you a call to serve somewhere, you have to be open to do that or it's not going to happen. If God is challenging you to get closer to him and experience life at a deeper level with his presence in your heart and in your life, if you don't do that, it won't happen. You know, one of the things that's important as you go through this passage, you recognize a couple of things happened. Jesus never anywhere says, I'm going to drag you along. I'm going to force you to fast differently. He never says that. It's, it's just an open opportunity, an invitation. That's it. But neither does he says, by the way, you're right, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to do what you've done. No, he says, no, this is new opportunity, things to do things in the kingdom. There's new wine out there and I'm going to go harvest it. And so he, he invites us to do that personally, to grow, to be transformed by his presence and his grace. What does that look like? What could that look like for you? See, I don't know where you're at. You might be somebody who's been a follower of Jesus for a long time. I hate to say this, but you're not perfect and neither am I. There's still room for growth. What does that look like? What is God calling you to? Maybe you're newer. Maybe you're just even starting to wonder a little bit about Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't even, you know, you're just trying to think about what it would like. You've heard about who he is and you've seen it in other people. And what would it, what would it mean to surrender your life to Christ and ask him your heart and receive his gift of grace? Maybe there's questions about that or wonderings. I want you to keep wondering and thinking about it, praying about it, and I would love to join you in that. 
and, and just speak into what that means in terms of new opportunities. See, it changes everything Jesus does in a heart and in a life. And when you think about that personally and the challenges, it's so profound, it's so powerful. I think about 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Do you know that verse? If anyone's a new creation in Christ, the old is gone. They're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And that's a continuing, ongoing process, this change and this transformation. And I understand that that can bring about um, real, just like we spoke about last week, there's anxiety, there's worries, there's fears. There's real cost. I remember going back and thinking of personal commitments and challenging people to go deeper. And I had all kinds of of names and heads. God just flooded my heart and my head with them. It went all the way back to times when I was in youth ministry, and I thought about young people and the things that that they struggle with, and I think about it even more today. And so change and going deeper, and what does that mean? And I can't tell you how many times I sat down with a young person. They're saying, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but I don't know if I want to do that because it means I'm going to have to change partly who I am and the people I hang out with. Like, you got a choice. And I want you to see the new things that God has out there waiting for you, just waiting for you to experience. Easy? No. I thought of, of people who were older, people who, who asked Christ into their heart when they were 30 or 40, had just a tremendous opportunity and privilege, but the tough transition that was, or people who had been dealing with something for a long time in their life, and they're saying, you know what, I know i got to surrender this, I know i got to give this up. And yet it is comfortable. It was the right place to be for them. And I'm saying, no, but you know that that's not true. You know that God's calling you to something different. Change, transformation, growth. And so looking ahead, not, not focusing on, on what that feels like or how good it is, whatever, in terms of the pleasure it brings, but what would it mean to give that up and be somebody who walks completely and holy and, and is free of that, that weight or that burden in your life? Profound. And then to see the transformation that takes place in their hearts and their lives, it's incredible. Being and doing things because they know God, that's the, that's the importance and the presence of them in his life. Some of the personal transformations and what that means in terms of newness in a life. That's why I asked you to think about it. To not only focus on what that looked like in the past, but what does that look like in the future? Pick those areas in your life that you know that God is calling you into. This journey and this walk with with God and with Jesus Christ and the new opportunities that it brings simply, simply to say, I'll come and follow you. You That was the profound things about being a disciple of Jesus. They never knew it was going to happen day after day. One day it was healing a leper. One day it was turning um, bread and, and, and fish into feeding thousands. They never knew. But there's the truth that we're disciples, right? Profound things to think about. What are the new opportunities that God's calling you to personally? And are you open to them? Then I think about that in terms of a church, a body of Jesus Christ. 
One quick story. When I took the call to pastor a church in Ravana, they had plans to build what they would later call Family Life Center. And it was going to more than double the ministry footage. It's a big step. And they had done some things in preparation, but they wanted to wait um, for the call just to talk to me. They could have done it themselves, but they wanted to get input and stuff. And so we, we, we talked through it and everything. I really only had one question for them, and that was, how are you going to use it for kingdom things? Um, but here's the deal. Uh, they built it. And uh, we had, um, I think, every group in that community used it. It was just awesome. Um, Girl Scouts, sewing groups, Boy Scouts, every sports team that was ever played at the schools at all different kinds of levels. It was a wonderful thing. And I remember years later, I'm, I'm in the, in the um, Family Life Center. I'm standing there. We had our coffee and stuff in there, similar to what happens in the fellowship hall. And I'm standing there just looking at things and watching kids run around and people drink coffee and fellowship and celebrate together. And this guy who's a friend of mine, he walks up to me and I catch him out of the corner of my eye. And so I see him coming and he walks up and he looks at me, blank kind of stare. And then he looks and he looks at all of the people. And then he turns around and he says this to me. I never forgot it. He says, you do know don't you? And I didn't. That I was dead set against this. He said, in fact, I fought it tooth and nail. I never wanted this to be built. Anyone then explained a little bit about why that was true? And as he was explaining, he turned and he looked at all the people again. And then he turned around and he looked me in the eye and he said this, boy, was I dead wrong. He said, think about everything that's happened in here. And then just shook his head and he walked away. We had some really great conversations after that. Point being, you never quite know what God is going to do when he gives you a new opportunity individually, personally and as a body of Jesus Christ but when you follow and you recognize it's about new wine pretty profound that's God's promise that's his truth I will bring new opportunities for you and it will be great and it will be something to celebrate are you open to it? That's really the question. So, things to think about in your life, personally, and together as a body of Jesus. Yeah. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I want to thank you and I want to praise you for your goodness and grace. I want to praise you and I want to thank you for being our God, for revealing your grace to us. And Lord, if there's anybody here who hasn't heard you call, hasn't said I love you and I sent my son to die for you 
and I want to come in and I want to be with you and I want to change your life forever. If, if, if somebody here is thinking about that or wondering about that, oh God, I just pray that you reveal it to me or somebody else and that they would share that. Oh Lord, it's the greatest thing ever. And then, oh Lord, when we think about changing who it is that we are and the opportunities that you bring for real spiritual change and transformation, Whatever that might look like, whatever it is that you lay in our hearts, oh Lord, the things that happen as a result are profound and awesome as we just strive to be salt and light. And we just let you in and discover new things about ourselves that we never knew before. Empowered by your presence and empowered by your spirit, Lord, I praise you for that. And I ask, oh Lord, for you to work on each and every one of us to pick up our feet and follow. It takes faith. It's hard. It's not easy. Lord, it produces some anxiety, but your promises are great to give us peace, to bless us in ways we never thought. Lord, so that we'd be able to join you in whatever kingdom work you bring in front and before us. You're a good and a gracious God, and I pray, O oh Lord, that you'd, you'd just... Bless people with an understanding of that truth and what that means and that their hearts would be open to following you in new and fresh ways in their hearts and in their lives for your kingdom, for your honor, for your glory. In your name I pray it. Amen.